Okay, Bruch welcome everybody. You know, everything in this world has hashgacha. This is actually our first Wednesday night show in the new location. I don't know if this is going to be a regular venue, but if you guys come here, we could do it here. Um, but the hashgacha is that for a while we were trying to get Wi-Fi in the new shul, and Verizon was not coming. And actually Verizon came yesterday. Yesterday I had no idea I would need the Wi-Fi today. So they were here the entire day yesterday. And I got a call this morning that we can't give the share in the Young Israel because they're having a security training, I don't know, something like that. And we need a location for the shear. So Baruch Hashem, Hashem always prepares the refuah right before the Makkah. So uh, the shear on Sefer Bamidbar are sponsored by Dr. Zakheim, Umeshpachta, Lili Nishmas, Rav Shem Eliezer ben Rav Yaakov Zakheim, and Lili Nishmas, Dr. Zakheim's mother, Rivka Bastuvia Halevi, and by Yedidi Rav Isaac Yosolovsky, Lenishmas, Rav Isaac's father, Shabsi Ben Yitzchak Isaac, the Ganeden Tehim, and Chosm Shavim Litsa Yisharm for the whole family, Abbi Askel Tzedek. Tonight's shear is sponsored by my dear friend and neighbor, Dr. Menachem Fuchs, my very close Shachin Toiv, Chaver Toiv, and uh, close with the whole Mishpacha of Chachomim, Mene Taira. So it's Lilo Nishmas, Rabbi Shaya's, um, Rabbi Nachem Yishaya's Zayda, Yehuda, then Yishaya Halevi, the Ganeden, Teimenu Chasle, Shviel Meitz Yosher for his whole family, for Simchas, and Nachas, and Biyat Gosarek. Also tonight's share is sponsored by my good friend, Rabbi Zev Fanfeder, Lilo Nishmas, his father-in-law, Mayor Simcha Ben Yitzchak Zev, whose yard site is Gimel Tamos. When's Gimel Tamos? Tomorrow's Aleph. Very good. And uh, Ari Leib, you know, somebody was listening to a shir today on Masechta Sukkah, on the sugya of Doifin Akuma, that we gave like six years ago, about Machloikis, Rashi, and the Ritva. And they heard your voice on it. And they said to me, that was such a mazeh. I hope, they were saying that you, because you're involved in the shir. I hope he still comes to the shir. Just, he doesn't know who you are, he doesn't know. Okay. Anyway, here we go. Today's shear is really out of the box. This is what I call a Shvile uh, Pinchas special. Uh, the title of the shear is Kairach's Bad Hair Day. Okay, so here we go. Vayikach Kairach ben Yitzhar ben Kahas ben Levi v'dalsan v'aviram b'nei Eliyav v'oin ben Pelas b'nei Ruvain. Kairach took. Who's Kairach? The son of Yitzhar. Who's Yitzhar? The son of Kahas. Who's Kahas? The son of Levi. And... Who's Levi? Doesn't tell you. We don't know who Levi is. Rashi says everybody knows Levi is Ben Yaakov. So why don't we say Ben Yaakov? Because Yaakov davened that what? In my congregation, my name should not, in their congregation, my name should not be associated. In other words, Yaakov Avinu said, I don't want to be associated with the Maisa of Koirach. Leave me out of this. Question number one. Why was Kairach, why was Yaakov Avinu so hesitant to have his name mentioned in the episode of Kairach? Did he say, God, leave me out of the mice of the Meraglim? He didn't say, leave me out of the story of the Meraglim. Did he say, leave me out of the story of the Messianim? Yaakov Avinu didn't say, leave me out of the Messianim, leave me out of the Meraglim. Why specifically the episode of Kairach did Yaakov Avinu have this uh, apathy, this uh, disgust that he did not want to be mentioned in association with the story of 
Kairach. What caused Kairach's downfall? So there's an amazing Chassam Seifer. Chassam Seifer says, if let's say your great-grandfather, his name is Stalin, or his name is Nebuchadnezzar, and you have a little baby, what should you name your kid? She said, well, the Zayda's name is Nebuchadnezzar. The Zayda's name is Titus. Should you name your kid Titus? Yeah, and the, the Elta mother-in-law wants, the, the grandfather wants you to name Titus. Now, you can't give the name. Why? She, uh, uh-oh, what? Oh, I'm muted. Okay, we're back on. If, um, wh- what if, what if the, uh, the family wants you to give the name of these Rishayim? No, you got to let the name rot. Vashem Rishayim Yerkov. The name of the wicked should rot. So says Sam Soifer, I have a great tema, I have a great question on the tzaddikim, the B'nai Levi, to give the name Kairach. Kairach? Are you kidding me? You're going to call him Kairach? Kairach is the name of one of the chieftains of Esav. So how could the B'nai Levi name the kid Kairach? If you remember in Parshas Vayishlach, Eila alufei B'nai Esav, B'nai Alifaz, B'chor Esav, Aluf Teiman, Aluf Oimar, Aluf Tzafoy, Aluf Kenaz, Aluf Kairach. Kairach, the name was Kairach. <laughs> so the name, if, if the name of the sons of Esav are Kairach, you got to be at a... How could you give the name Kairach? Says the Chassam Soifer, that's probably why Kairach fought against Moshe Rabbeinu. You know what influenced him? His bad name. His name caused him. Says the Chassam Soifer, that's how you read the Pasuk. Vayikach Kairach. The name Kairach took away all of his Kedusha. Vayikach Kairach. I, what do you mean? He's Ben Yitzar, Ben Kahas, Ben Levi. He comes from a Shalshelis of three generations of holy Levium? No. The fact that he was named after a Russia, it took everything away. That's how the Chassam Soifer uh, understands it. He says, Zeh Hashem Kairach, Lokach, Esakal. Chassam Soifer wonders, Ani Toma, Alat Sadikim. I wonder about these righteous people that they would give the kid the name Kairach. Says the Chassam Soifer, in my opinion, that name is responsible for Kairach's whole downfall. He doesn't answer why they did. No. He's, it's a tema. It's a wonder how they could give such a name. By the way, the Chassam Sarvet doesn't just say this in his Sefer Allah Torah, but in his Chuvas, in Evan Ezer, Simon Beis, Simon Chav Beis, Chassam Sarvet says, you know, the Bnei Levi also called the kid Zima. What does Zima mean? Oh, you shafel up. Zima means promiscuity. You know? Luid. That's not a nice name. Call a kid Zima. Says Achsam Sarfer, maybe the Bnei Levi didn't know the teaching of the Gemara that Rav Meir taught on the Pasuk. Asher Sam Shamois Ba'aretz, Al Tikri Shamois, Ela Shamois, that Shamois have an effect. Clearly, they didn't pay too much attention to names because they called their kid Koirach. But the question uh, still uh, begs being asked, what were they thinking? I mean, you don't have, it's not rocket science. Why would you name your kid? Nobody would name their kid Titos. Even though in Israel today, I think Nimrod is a very popular name. But uh, yeah, but that's, you know, leave it to them to come up with these names. Um, but nevertheless, why would the, these Sadikim call this individual Kairach? Okay. 
So now we're going to uh, analyze something very interesting. There is a very common theme in the Parsha, and the theme is quite unusual. There was a man by the name of Oin ben Pelas, and he got sucked into Kairach's dispute, and he swore his allegiance to Kairach. And he was headed out the door one day, and Mrs. Oin ben Pelas, she said, where are you going? She said, I'm going to join Kairach against Moshe. Say, out of your mind, what, what do you gain? What, what do you gain? You're going to be the president? Either way, you're going to be executive vice president. What does executive vice president mean? Nothing, right? So, so you're going to be either way executive vice president. Either Moshe is going to be the president, or Kairach is going to be president. And you're going to be it's, uh, some kind of title that they invented so that, you know... Um, uh, sorry... So, uh, Mrs. Oyn Ben Pelas basically said, uh, you have nothing to gain. She, she said, what am I supposed to do? I already swore allegiance to Kairach. So she said, don't, don't worry. Drink some bourbon. So she poured him some alcohol, and he drank, and he fell asleep. And she said, look, one thing I know, these guys must be real frummies. If there's politic, then you know these guys are, quote-unquote, holy from guys. So the one thing they're not going to do, they could try to start an, up with Moshe. Api Karsten they could be. But from, they could definitely be. So therefore, I'm going to uncover my hair, which we know that a woman is biblically obligated when she's married to have her hair covered. A man cannot say Dvarm Sheba Kedusha in the presence of uh, the hair of a woman that's uncovered. can't learn, you can't say Kiddush in the presence of the hearer of a woman that's uh, a married woman that's uncovered, there's no way these frumies are going to look at my hair. So, be an api kairas that they have no problem with. Start up with Moshe Rabbeinu. But look at a woman, no, no, there's no chance. She nailed it, right? She knew for sure. If these guys are starting up with a rabbi, they must be really frum, right? And she uncovers her hair, and they're walking by the door, and they say, oh, no, no, they took off their glasses, and they... They, uh, they ran away. Meanwhile, they all got swallowed by the ground, and Oin ben Pelas was saved. So what saved Oin ben Pelas? The hair, the uncovered shetel of Mrs. Oin ben Pelas. What kind of shetel she had, we don't know. Chazal don't tell us. But she uncovered her hair, and uh, she saved the day. Okay. What caused Kairach to rebel against Moshe Rabbeinu? Do you remember the Pasuk in Parshas, the Halaischa, the third Pasuk? In the second Pasuk it says, mm-hmm. Purify the Levian. This year today is good year for Levian. Now, if you wanted to be inaugurated as a Levi, you would line up in front of Moshe. Moshe had his shaver going. He didn't ask what number. It all came off. The hair, the head, the beard the eyebrows, the eyelashes, every last hair on the body until the guy looked like a bald eagle. You know the thing on the dollar bill? You look bald as a bald as a bat, as however you want to call it. Like a doorknob, not one single hair on the head. That's how the Levium were uh, inaugurated. The Khaisasalohem Lataharam, Hazelimechatas, the Vir Sara Kobasam, and it was a razor. Right? No scissors. Yeah? The chibsu b'gdeyem. 
That means Kairach stood there, and he, he came in with a long white beard. He had long... He came out, bald, nobody knew who he was. Who are you? What are you who, who's this guy? I'm Kairach. Nah, come on, you're not Kairach. Now nah, I'm Kairach. Moshe shaved me bald. Now, Kairach turns around, and there's Aaron Akoyim. Aaron's there with his long beard, with his, his you know, his curled payas. Aaron's wearing the choyshen, the urim betumim, the tzitz. Aaron looks like a million bucks, and Karach looks like, I don't know, he came from some country in uh, Africa or something, or some other place. I don't know. So but Karach says, what's going on over here? <laughs> Your brother, he looks like, you know, uh, the king of England, and I look like a schlepper. And they started mocking Karach. And not only that, they said, who, who are you? I'm Karach. Kairach, what happened to you here? A Moshe shaved it off. And what did he do to Aaron? Aaron looks like a million bucks. Then Karach said, you know what else he did? He waved me. He took my foot and he waved me like a chicken. He did kaporis on me. So, so first he shaves me bald. What am I, a chicken? He, he, he takes off the hair, he cuts off the hair. Then he, Zechalifasi, Zechmurasi, Zechabra. Karach said, Aaron HaKoyin is sitting there with these with these uh, rubies and diamonds and gems, and you can ask him a question. He has a golden thing on his head, and I look like Empire Chicken. So it's interesting. What was the source of Karach's rebellion against Moshe? A bad haircut. And what saved Oyn ben Pelis's wife? Well, Oyn ben Pelis, the fact that she uncovered her hair. So hair is a very important theme in Parshas Karach. The hair of Mrs. Oin ben Pelas saved the day. And Koyrach's bad hairdo was the cause of his rebellion. So now let us try to understand what is the meaning of hair. This is going to be a very hairy topic. Haha. <laughs> now Barbanel says, what, is, what does hair represent? What is the symbolism of hair? You can't trim your nose. You need a nose. No? You need to smell. You can't trim your ears. You can't, you can't cut off other parts of the body. Hair is expendable. You don't need hair. It's a luxury, you know. You don't need it. You know, maybe it makes you look a little bit better. But it's not needed. It's, hair represents luxury. Hair is excess. It's something you could be without. In fact, interestingly, the uh, Barbanel writes, he says, um, the, the symbolism of shaving the hair of the Levium is to indicate their dedication to Hashem and their separation from Moisrois. You know what Moisrois are? Luxury. Or sometimes in Hebrew we call it Luxus. Luxus is luxury. Okay. That is why the Levim had their hair shorn. The Arvei of David Ivshitz says, hair represents moisturize. Says Rabbi Yonis and Ibishitz, where does hair grow? Where in the body does hair grow? The sweatier the place, the more hair. Because the more, the excess liquid, the more sayar. So hair represents excess. That's why in Chazal, when you talk about a fool Hair is considered shoyte. It's just symbolic of in, involvement in 
moist rice. Therefore, here you got a Nazir. The Nazir spent 30 days separating from the pleasures of this world. No wine for 30 days. What did he make Kiddush on? What? I don't know. Nothing he could do. He, he couldn't make Kiddush on wine. Um, the Naz, so now, he spent 30 days separating from the pleasures of this world. Before he lands and comes back to reality, what we need to do is we need to tell him, listen, before you come back to the pleasures of this world, shave off all your hair as a symbolism that you're taking your Nazira seriously and you're for good significantly separating from the pleasures of this world. That is why a melech takes a daily haircut. Why does the king take a daily haircut? Because since he's in danger of getting caught up with his money and his wives and his horses, so we want him to keep himself in check to take a daily haircut as a symbolism to separate from the, ple- from the excess of this world. And a Kohen Gadol took a haircut how often? Every week. Also, to indicate because of his greatness, separating from the pleasure, the excess of this world. But Koirach was very into his money. Who was the richest Jew who ever lived? Koirach. Really? What did he do for a living? There were no nursing homes. So what did Kairach do? Because, what did he do? Real estate? What, what exactly did Kairach do? He sold bitcoins. You know? What, what did Kairach do? So we're going to see Kairach was the richest Jew in the history of this world. And because he was so caught up in his money, he would mock the haircut that Moshe Rabbeinu gave him. Why are you taking away my dear hair? I need my hair. I need my excess. I need my luxury. In fact, the Gemara Psachim says, there are three great repositories of wealth in this world. I once had the pleasure of being in the Tower of London. And in the Tower of London, you could see all of the gold and silver and the crowns that they would bedeck the various kings and queens throughout history. The Chida actually visited the Tower of London and the Chida commented that if this is the wealth Hashem gives the wicked, imagine the great reward that's in store for the righteous. In any event, the Gemara Psachim says the three great treasures in this world, Yosef had all of them. He hid them in Egypt. One Kairach found, one Antoninus found, one the righteous will, fi- will find. Kairach had so much money that he needed 300 white donkeys to carry the keys of his storehouses. Why white donkeys? Because if a white donkey gives you a kick, you're dead. Yeah, there's no way to recover from the kick of a white donkey. So he needed 300 white donkeys just to carry the keys of his treasuries. And Kairach was very into his money. And because he was so into his luxury and his excess, he ridiculed the haircut that Moshe Rabbeinu gave him, and it bothered him. He wanted that, you know, he wanted that excess type of mode of behavior. Now, here is a Shvile Pinchas classic. 
because Kairach was not the, other, the only person named Kairach in, in Jewish history. There was a great man named Kairach. Now let me give you a little clue. Who in Jewish history, who was actually Jewish, was known as a really hairy dude? And even, but who, like, from the time they were born, he was, he's called hair. Esav. Esav is Ish Salir. And what's Yaakov? Yaakov, you know, you have some guys, they need to shave when they're three years old already. They already have facial and Some people, they're 50 and they're still waiting for it to come in. Right? Different kinds of, there, there, there's hairy people and there's not such hairy people. Esav was a hairy guy. Kulay Kadera Seyar, yeah? Yaakov Avinu is chala. He's smooth. By the way, the Torah says, why was Yaakov kicking? Because Esav was getting him very itchy. So Esav's hair was that. That's why Jews are always itchy. Masayavu is similar to him. Jews have eczema and skin. It's, you know, that's Yaakov started out. He's itchy. He's an itchy. Esav's hair is all over him. So Yaakov is known as the Ish Chalak. He's a smooth guy. He's not really hairy. Esav is very hairy. What does Kairach mean even? We have in Parshas Tazria Kireachu. Do you know what Kireach means? Saras. Kireach means bold. You know, there was one of the greatest people, if not the greatest tzaddik in history, was called Bald. Says Ben Azai, all of the rabbis, they're like nothing to me. They're like the shell of a garlic, except for this Kireach, except for that bold guy over there. Who's he talking about? Says Rashi. You know, there's a Torah stage, Yeshua Ben, Rav Yeshua Ben, Karcha. Anybody know who his father was? Who's Karcha? Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was bold. And he was called Baldy. Rabbi Akiva was called Baldy. Toysus asks, I mean, that's not the nicest name to refer to as Rabbi Akiva. Ben Azi is saying, the rabbis, they're nothing to me except for Baldy. I mean, why don't you say except for Rabbi He's Rabbi Akiva to you, you know? Why are you calling him, Toysus asks, why are you referring to Rabbi Akiva, the Lashon Genai? I mean, isn't there a nice, call him Rabbi Akiva. Apparently, says the Shvilei uh, Pinchas, there's also a connection between Rebbe Akiva and Yaakov Avinu. One connection may be, neither of them had too much hair. Yaakov was Ishchalak, Rebbe Akiva was bold. In fact, Arizal says, the name, anybody, anybody named Akiva over here? No. How do you spell Akiva? Ayin, Kuf, Yud, Vez, Hey, or Aleph. Comes the Arzarua. You know who the Arzarua is? Rav Yitzchak Mivina, one of the great Rishayim. By the way, the Arzarua tells a story about Rabbeinu Tam. I think next week's share will be about Rabbeinu Tam. Actually, this week's share was supposed to be about Rabbeinu Tam. I just, there wasn't enough time. Rabbeinu Tam was a very wealthy man. You know how he would start off giving share? Counting his money. And he said, Oh, money makes you happy. Now we could learn. 
very unusual. Most rabbis don't do that. Probably not recommended for a rabbi to take out a wad of bills and then count them and then give shear. But that's what Rabbi Natan did. We'll see. Actually, we have, uh, we have evidence. Rabbi Natan was so wealthy, he lent money to the king of France. That's how wealthy he was. The Orzarua writes that he was writing a, name, a safer about Gitin, and he didn't know how to spell the name Akiva. So he had a dream, and in the dream they showed him the Pasuk. Oyer, Zarua, Batsadik, Leishrei, Lev, Simcha. And he saw that last letters spell Reish, Ayin, Kuf, Yud, Vez, Hey, Rabbi Akiva. Oh, that's how he spelled Akiva, with a Hey. So he named his safer Orzarua. We don't agree with him. We don't pass him like him. We don't follow that dream. We follow the Arizal. The Arizal says Rabbi Akiva is spelled with an Aleph. Why? Look at number 26. Because the Pasuk says, Vateshev Be'ison Kashtoi Vayafoizu Zroye Yodav Nidei Avir Ya'akoiv Avir Ya'akoiv spells out Rabbi Akiva with an Aleph or a Hey. Aleph. That's how we pass See that? Abir Ya'akov. From here we see there's a connection between the soul of Rabbi Akiva and the soul of Ya'akov. What was their connection? Neither of them had too much hair. What was that symbolic of? That was symbolic of their separation from the excess and the luxury of this world. Ya'akov Avinu particularly, he is running away from Esau. He says, God, give me bread to eat and clothing to wear. There's some extra words in this passage. God, give me bread to eat. What else do you do with bread? Give me clothing to wear. As opposed to what? Bread to wear and clothing to eat? He could just say, give me bread and clothing. And I think we all know what you do with bread and what you do with clothing. What's, what's Yaakov saying? Give me bread to eat and clothing to wear. And Rabbeinu Bechai says something very important. He says that a person should never ask Hashem for luxury. One should only pray for necessity. Now, there might be an expanded definition of necessity. You know, does that mean, God, please, I want a slice of bread to eat for supper and a cup of milk every single day. So what, I can't have anything interesting to eat? I want to have a cardboard box to wear. You can't have enjoyable, I mean, is enjoyable food necessity? Is it luxury? I guess it depends for who, it depends what your state in life is. But in general, I have a car. No, I want a fully loaded luxury vehicle. Please, Hashem. Oh no, Hashem, Oishiana. Everyone's screaming, Oh no, Hashem. What are they thinking? Tesla, please. Please contact Elon Musk to send me a Tesla immediately. I'm desperate. Are you out of your mind? That's what you're down for. 
So you shouldn't really pray for luxury. You pray for what you need. That's what Yagavino says. Rebunisham, please give me food to eat. Please give me clothing to wear. I don't need fancy, flashy. I just need my necessities. Yeah. Once a month, you know. Shlomo Melch says, Hachifemi lechem chukim. Give me my allotted, uh, yeah, that's what by Rosh Chodesh mentioning. Where does it say you should say that Rosh Chodesh? No. Everyone gets into that, right? Um, says, uh, Rabbeinu Bechaye, poverty and wealth are very difficult lots in life. Poverty and wealth are very difficult lots in life. Someone's poor, then they have the unfortunate task of trying to flatter the wealthy. Someone who's wealthy, he wants luxury. And if you go after luxury, you become arrogant. And you speak boldly. And when you become arrogant, you're an abomination to God. Now, what's a bigger challenge? Poverty or wealth? Wealth is a much bigger challenge. I know most people think, bring it on. Bring it on. I could handle it. No. If you could handle it, God would have given you that challenge. Wealth is a much bigger challenge. Because if you're wealthy, you think you're smart. And you feel arrogant. And once you feel arrogant, you become an abomination. In this world, one should only seek what they need. And God gives all of creation what they need. Birds, they have what they need. You ever see a bird coming down, wearing shades, you know, wearing a nice, you know, jacket, sitting down with a little fork and knife, with like a nice little steak, you know, with pouring wine. The bird pecks at the garbage, eats a piece of bread, and goes to sleep. And then at 3 a.m., they're making a racket in my air conditioner or something. Now, the birds in this neighborhood are very loud. But God gives man what they need. The more needed something is, the more available it is, the cheaper it is. The less something is needed, the less there is, the more expensive it is. What do you need less than anything? Jewels, diamonds, rubies. There are not so many of them around, and they're very expensive. What do you need more than anything? Air. Air, more than water. Water, you can go a few hours without water. You can't go a minute without air. So air is everywhere. Let's say you go, you go uh, up to the Catskills. Oh, let me pack my air with me. You don't have to pack it with you. They haven't figured out a way. Okay, put in the quarter for your another dose of air. They haven't figured out a way to market, you know, smart air, clean air, purified air. They will. Um, the day will come, you know, where they'll be selling, you know, air. You know, neutralized air, less acidic air. And then after air, you need water. So water is the next most available. Sometimes you have to pay for it. Sometimes you have to travel to it. Sometimes you have to turn something on. And after air, after water, food is needed. But there's less of food than there is water. And it's more expensive. You have to put in more effort. The more something is needed, the more available Hashem made it, the less it costs. Because Hashem is teaching us a lesson. I give you what you need. That's what you should focus on. Never get caught up in something that's expendable. If you don't need it, 
That should not be your ambition. So the question is, that's a very boring life. So now what? I'm supposed to eat cake. The ideal is, sit there, okay, breakfast, have a piece of bread, and I don't know what, some protein, an egg, and a cup of milk. And for lunch, I'm going to have peanut butter on bread. And supper, I'm going to have a piece of chicken. And that's it. Where's the side dish? You don't need a side dish, dear. The rabbi said at the shir, you only should be interested in necessities. So you don't need... Where's dessert? Dessert? Are you kidding me? We don't do dessert in this house. We only do what you need. So that's a very boring... Is that an exciting life? Imagine if you ate the same thing every single day, three times a day, without fail. Where do you get your kicks in life? Where do you get your kicks? You get your perks, you get your kicks from Yiras Hashem, from Avas Hashem, from spirituality. So Rabbi Akiva was called what? Baldy. Why was he a baldy? I don't know. I never saw him. I don't know if he actually um, was a Kereach, but he was called that because of his separation from the excess and the luxuries of this world. Yeah, but everybody needs some hair. Oh, Rabbi Akiva was very into hair. Says the Gemara Menachos, Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Har Sinai. He saw somebody who knew Torah more than anybody else in this world. He was darshaning on every thorn of every letter of the Torah. I'll call koitz the koitz, tilim Every little thorn of the letters, Rabbi Kiva had a drasha. Say the mikubalim. That was Rabbi Kiva's hair. That was the hair Rabbi Akiva was into. He was into the details of Ruchnias. That was his superfluity. That was his excess. That was what well, we say, oh, uh, uh, that's not really important. Just tell me, yes or no? Is it Mutter or Asar? What are you telling me? This case, that case, this Smara, that Smara, I really need to know it? Yeah, the, the minutia of spirituality is the hair you should be into. That was Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, in Gashmias, he was Kireach, like Yaakov Avinu. And when it came to spirituality, every detail, every minutia, every little pitchifka was greatly significant to Rabbi Akiva. Comes the Shvile Pinchas. I think this is very creative and goinus. And he says something very interesting. The Bnei Levi foresaw that Korach would win the lottery. And we all know that people who win the lottery, they don't usually fare well. I don't know if that's actually true. I never met anyone who won the lottery. I actually don't believe that anybody ever won the lottery. They just, every few months, they report, oh, a guy over here in North Dakota won the lottery, but I never met them. I never met anyone who met them. I never saw anyone who met them. I never met anyone who claimed they know somebody who won the lottery. I mean, do you? Do you know someone who won the lottery? Anyone here? Anyone online know anyone who won the lottery? Not like ten dollars. Yeah, a from guy. But you know who he is? Nobody knows who he is. What show does he dominate? Yeah? Get us his number. We had a campaign. His name is Kahan. You know someone who won the lottery? Name's Kahan. Kahan. Yeah. His name is his wife, right? Yeah. 
You know him? Bar Park. Bar Park. Yeah, there's only one Kahan in the whole Bar Park. But anyway, but they say that people who win the lottery, they don't fare well. You know, they they lose all happiness in life and they, I don't know. And everybody says, bring it on. You know, I'll, I'll be the guy. But they foresaw that Kairach would have a windfall. He would hit the jackpot. And he was in danger of getting caught up in the uh, excess, this, the surplus of this world. So they wanted to give him a name to influence him not to get caught, caught up in the luxuries of this world. So they figured, who in the, which tzaddikim reflect the ideal of not being into luxury, not being into excess? Yaakov Avinu, Rabbi Akiva. So they figured the best possible name to keep Kairach in check is Kairach. Maybe that will remind him not to get caught up in the excess of this world. Says the Shvila Pinchas, maybe that's why Esav named the kid Kairach. Because we know Esav is the king of hypocrisy. He said, look at me, forget I don't chew my cut. But I'm a frumi, I have split hooves. And I'm going to call my kid Sadik. You know what the most righteous name I could give my kid? Kairach! That's part of Esav's, you know, hypocrisy. Giving the name after, you know, not being indulgent in the excess of this world. So basically, who is Kairach named after? Yaakov Avinu. So he went around saying, Oh, I'm a righteous guy. I'm not into my money. I'm not into luxury. I'm not into excess. I'm Kedoshim. I want to serve God. And I'm doing this to Shem Shamayim. I'm like Yaakov Avinu. Kairach said, I'm the heir to Yaakov. So Yaakov says, Leave me out of this one. Don't, don't blame your... Your insanity. Don't blame your pursuit of kavod after me. Don't bring me into this. Yaakovinu specifically was mispalel because Yaakovinu knew that Korach is going to claim to be the spiritual heir of the ideals of Yaakovinu. Yaakov, leave me out of this one. Maraglim, they're still my descendants. Nesoyinim, they're still my descendants. But Korach, he's taking my name as if he's. He's my heir. He's going to call himself Baldy like I'm the Yishchalak. No, 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 no. Yaakov, you just said, leave me out of this. Only me and Rabbi Akiva really reflect the ideal of separating from the pleasures of this world. This, says the Shvila Pinchas, is perhaps the reason why the B'nai Levi gave the name Kara. They weren't naming him after the descendant of Esau, but they were trying to inculcate within him the ideal of if there was ever a generation where the ambition in this world is for surplus, excess, uh, luxury, we're living it. We're living it. I don't even think our grandparents had ambitions to want to have what we already have. So it's always good to remind ourselves of the tefillah of Yaakov Avinu. V'nasan li lechem lechel uveged lil
that the definition of our satisfaction in this world should be defined based on if we have what we need, not luxury, not excess, not surplus. If we do that, then we can uh, glean a very important lesson from Parshas Koirach. The Bnei Levi wanted to keep Koirach in check. Ultimately, the fact that he was named after one of the Bnei Esav did not fare him well, did not do him well. Yaakov Avinu said, leave me out of this. Don't, you're not a boldy like I'm a boldy. I'm the real deal boldy. You know, maybe a person comes into this world, they don't have as much sayar. You know, they're still, they belong to the, you know, the higher worlds. person closer to that world, and uh, ultimately a person always has to keep the focus on what is uh, our, what is important for us, and that is that our simcha and perks and kicks, says Shlomo HaMelech, toiv ma'at b'yiras Hashem me'oitza rav u'mahubabai. Says Rabin Bechaye, one should be sameach b'chalkoi, b'mestapik b'muat, v'lo yis'ave ha'moysarois. And where do you get your perks? Yetiv livoi b'yiras Hashem. You want luxury? Try to figure out another detail of the Torah. That, use that to satisfy your quest for more in this world. Thank you everybody for coming.